0: Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I am continuing the lecture from last week, or the last episode, uh, titled Fulfillment of God's Plan. So this is part two of Neville's undated lecture titled Fulfillment of God's Plan. So Neville continues to tell his audience, so you're told in the 10th chapter of John, No one takes away my life I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. And yet, over the centuries, we have condemned a race of people for taking away the life of one who never, as an individual, walked the face of this earth. He is in man or you couldn't even breathe. He's not on the outside of man that someone can take his life. He is in man. He's the breath of man the spirit of man, the I amness of man, man's own wonderful human imagination. That is Jesus, that's God. And so to blame a race of people for doing what no one ever did, listen to the Bible, the 10th chapter. No one takes away my life, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. For I am the resurrection and the life. So he entered death's door, the human skull, and lay down in the grave of man, and there he dreams the dream of life, and this is the dream of life, and one day it comes to the end and he awakes, where? In the tomb, where he entered to find himself there. It was a long dream, thousands and thousands of years, he has been dreaming this dream, You didn't begin in your mother's womb 70 years ago, or whatever year you may be. That's only a garment woven for you. You are eternal. You have no beginning, and you have no end. Never was there a time when you were not. Nor shall there ever come a time when you shall cease to be. Beginnings and ends are all dreams. It seems so real, but they're all dreams. But you have no beginning, no end. You are And that being is called in scripture, God the Father. But may I tell you something? You will not actually feel, I am Jesus. I am Father. That's not what you feel. You don't feel Jesus. You don't feel God. You don't feel Jehovah. These are names given by man. But what you do feel is Father. So the great revelation of the New Testament is God the Father. That is the foundation of the entire thing. If you were not a father, then there is no child. So the relationship of father son is fundamental to the Christian faith. <coughs> Excuse me. Without the son, there would not be a father. And if there is a father, there must be a son. And it's a search for the son. And when the son is found, the father knows who he is. But not until the Son is resurrected. So in the Old Testament, in the 2nd Psalm, the 16th Psalm, and the 110th Psalm, they are identified with resurrection. In the 16th Psalm, David is speaking and is made to say, Thou wouldst not leave my soul in hell. In confidence he knows he would not be left in hell, that he would be raised up. Because I will not take my steadfast, sure love from David. That's my covenant with the peoples. I have made him a witness to all the peoples. I will not take my love from him. So he dies and is buried, but I will raise him up. And when the father raises up the son, then the smile is on his face because his son has returned from the grave. And David is the eternal son of God. The resultant state of all the experiences that you as a man, which is God as man, experience in this world. So God became as I am, that I may be as he is. This is the story of scripture, and it's all in the Old Testament, but not understood. There is a blue bloop- There it is, a blueprint. It's an adumbration. The new interprets the old, not the other way around. And When it happens in you, well, what a joy. I can't tell anyone the emotion that possesses you. And then you really are like one possessed. You walk in the dream of what happened, and you can't think of anything but, really. You may be diverted for a little while, a small party. A big one would bore you. A few friends, yes. A large crowd, no. It doesn't interest you. A dinner party of a few chosen friends, yes. But to have an enormous crowd, no, that's nothing more than noise. Everyone is trying to, well, monopolize the entire picture. But a few chosen friends for a party... A delightful evening with words where you are discussing reality? Wonderful. But after it happens to you, may I tell you, you can't think of anything but. And your dreams are not dreams anymore. Your nights are not what they were prior to that waking. You wake and it's entirely different. And I can't explain to anyone who wakes every day of their life after a night of good sleep that that waking in the morning doesn't compare to this. It's something entirely different. As though you had never awakened before in your life, that's what actually you feel like. Something entirely different. And you look at all these things round about you and here, a thousand years, two thousand years, three thousand years ago, it was written there and it was all about you and you didn't know it. So we're going to go up now to Jerusalem, said he, and all that is written of the Son of Man by the prophets will be fulfilled. All will be accomplished. Then he began to explain to them scripture and said, beginning with Moses and the law and all the prophets in the Psalms, he interpreted to or he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, this coming Friday, if you do go to part of the service, you will hear the words on the cross. Everyone is taken from the Old Testament. And you will know who you are in that sense. They are the words of David. For David is going to commit himself now to his father. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. This is now the 31st Psalm. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Yet that is the final cry cry on the cross when you read it in the little book of Luke. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he commits it into the hands of the father. He calls him now father father into thy hands I commit my spirit. And these are the identical words of David in the 31st Psalm. Now here, the entire thing unfolds within man. But something was said to me just before I took the platform by a very dear friend of mine, who is here tonight, although he will admit to me and to everyone in the world, he is 101% American, but he cannot deny the fact that he has 100 And 1% of the Irish background in him too. So he gave me the definition of an Irishman. An Irishman is one who does not know what he wants. And there will be no peace on earth until he finds it. Not exactly his words. He told me it much better than that. But that's the essence of it. He does not know what he wants. And there will be no peace on earth until he finds it. Well, that's a whole vast world. Ask, what do you want? He doesn't really know what he wants, because what everyone wants is to find the father. And you can't find the father without the son. Basically, we're trying to find the cause of the phenomenon of life, what makes things happen in my world. He told me, you know, years ago, before he met me, he had these sorts of daydreams of, well, talking to a crowd, maybe going on radio, maybe on TV. Here, out of the blue, someone came into his restaurant and... uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. His O J A I, is the word and offered him a series of lectures here in New Mexico, possibly sending him into Arizona. She can arrange other things for him and the whole thing is done. But he remembered these daydreams. Most of us don't remember and when we are confronted with our own harvest, we deny it's our harvest. So I tell you there is no such thing as an accident in this world. No, there is no such thing as a natural cause. Every natural cause, or every natural effect, has a spiritual cause. That is, an imaginal cause and not a natural. A natural only seems. It is a delusion of our fading memory. We can't remember when we set it in motion. He remembers that long before he met me in San Francisco, that this happened back east, this daydream of his... And now suddenly, out of the nowhere, a seeming stranger comes to his world, listening to him in his restaurant, carried away with what he had to say, and the way he said it, and has moved to arrange this thing for him. He doesn't have to lift a finger to do it. It all will be done for him. So I say, dream noble dreams, wonderful dreams. If they don't come to pass tonight, tomorrow, or next week, you keep on dreaming them. But try to put yourself into the dream as though it's taking place and try to live in it. Be possessed by the dream and see the whole thing unfold within you in this world of Caesar, always bearing in mind the real dream. It must come to an end only when it's fulfilled. And the story is the fulfillment when you awake. For resurrection is waking. It's not gathering dead bones together and putting flesh on it. It's simply awaking. You are sound asleep, and you awaken like a man out of a deep, deep sleep to find yourself in a tomb. But you have the strength to break the bonds of that tomb and to come out of that tomb. And when they come to search for the body, they have taken away the body. They only knew you by reason of the body that you wore, and that's taken away, and they can't see you. Him they could not see. But he was fully aware of everyone round about him. And here, all the symbolism of scripture is unfolding before him, and he is the central character in the entire drama. They're talking about him. They aren't talking about Jesus. They're talking about you. You're individualized, and you tend forever and ever toward ever greater individualization. They didn't call me by any other name. They didn't call me God, didn't call me Lord, didn't call me Jesus. They spoke of me as Neville. It's Neville's baby. I was aware of being I. No loss of identity whatsoever. But then when David comes, here is Neville. In this century I was born, the year 1905. Here we have a recorded so-called history of one born a thousand years B.C. And he stands before me, and I know I'm his father. And here we have words put into his mouth that the Lord said to him, You are my son. And I know that I am his father, and only then did I gain the certainty as to who I am. So you will not lose your identity, yet you are God the Father. It is Father that is being revealed, the sweetest name there is in Scripture. He is a loving Father, may I tell you, in spite of all the pain you've gone through and all the horrors of the world, for this is a nightmare. Can't confine it only to the night. It's a daymare, too, with most people. So I tell you, at the end, it's not a reward, it's simply victory. You plotted and planned the whole thing before you entered the tomb. You prepared a way for your own return to whom? To yourself. I came out from the Father, and I came into the world. Again, I'm leaving the world and returning to my Father. And that's the story of this week. So far as Friday goes, Good Friday, save your tears. The crucifixion is over and it was a voluntary act on your part, which is God's part. You laid yourself down in a tomb for the purpose of dreaming the dream of life. And in that dream you suffered. You knew you would as you're told in the 24th chapter of the book of Luke. Again, you're told it in the 18th chapter for that matter. But the 24th O foolish men and slow of heart to understand all that the prophets have written and said about the Christ. Was it not necessary? that Christ suffer these things and then enter into his glory. It's part of the training. These are the furnaces. I tried you in the furnaces of affliction. Why, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. And my name is father. That's my name. That's my name. That's the name truly that is God's name in the world, and so the word God, which makes the mind jump on the outside, is not truly the name. You take the word Elohim, and we translate it God. Take the word Jodhe Bahe and translate that Lord. But the name that is revealed is Father. That's who this being is. This creative being is Father, and everyone is in search of the Father. And one day, he's going to find the only one who can reveal him, his father. And when he finds him, he finds his own son, David. Now, that will come as an awful shock to the majority of people in the world. and will not take back one little iota. It's true. I'm not speculating. I'm telling you exactly what I have experienced. It's not theory with me. This is all that I know from my own personal experience. It was always there in that book called the Bible but I had not experienced it. So I couldn't see it. You have eyes and you see not, and you have ears and you hear not, because they're not yet bored. And it takes the furnaces to bore these eyes for you, and to bore the mouth for you to bore the ears for you, that you may experience Scripture, and then the whole thing unfolds within you. It's all about you because it's all about God, and you are God asleep. And the day is coming And may it not be too long when he will awaken you as you, and then you will find your son. The scripture claims to be God's son. And because scripture claims it is God's son, and you know it's your son, then you must be God. That's the story of the Bible. Now let's go into the silence. Okay, so that is the end, part two of Neville Goddard's lecture titled Fulfillment of God's plan. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode, for another lecture. I will see you guys next time. Have a wonderful day.